<laughs> is it too late to back out of this podcast? Did we like reach that point already? Because oh, I we're no in longer want to be involved. We're in the thick of it, you f***er. <laughs> I hate this. Wow, I really, really... <laughs> The plight for survival, the traumas of adolescence, the bond between mother and child. These are half-sentence summaries that could describe individually Snow White, Pinocchio, and Dumbo. All three together, however, perfectly describe the complexities of the narrative of Walt Disney's favorite of his productions. Bambi. The film is all of this, and yet so, so much more. But how much more can it really be? How can a story so complex be so simple that it is easily and universally beloved and understood? How can a film with a wildly accurate depiction of wild deer have a depiction of a rabbit that so utterly infuriates my co-host. Can this really be the greatest Disney film of all time? And more importantly, we ask the question, how can this be the greatest Disney film of all time if someone else was so tightly bound to its creative vision? Hi, my name is Nate Conrad. This is my friend, Abby Rose. Together, we're going to set our sights, line up our shot, and pull the trigger on this timeless classic as we begin Dissecting the Mouse. So now, I, I don't know how to go from that to talking about like the purest movie that we've watched so far <laughs> besides that one scene i mean this is like a genuine cute movie and yet we've already ruined it <laughs> we've already ruined i've already ruined everything you've already ruined everything which is kind of you know kind of the the reason for the season here mm. ruining things yeah so abby hmm We've um we we've both had a, a very interesting experience, and um we also had a very interesting experience watching Bambi. Mm-hmm. I two different I, interesting experiences. Two completely different interesting experiences, and you know, like the 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 former no the latter the latter the latter interesting experience is the subject of what we are going to be uh futzing around with today, isn't it? What did you think of Bambi? I really think that it's probably, up until now, like, this is the best Disney movie we've ever seen. Like, for this podcast, like, future, the future's the future. We'll see what happens when it happens. But this is, this is the best Disney movie, in my opinion, that we have seen for this podcast. It's, it's amazing. 
Yeah, I'm almost mad about it because like I didn't really <laughs> I didn't really grow up on Bambi. I grew up on like actually I didn't really grow up that much on Disney even like Disney Channel. Yeah, but Disney movies I watched mostly like uh, Magic School Bus and stuff. But like I feel yes, yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like cheated out of a good movie. Like anytime I watch Disney, it was usually at my friend's house and it would be like Disney princess movies. But like, I feel freaking cheated. Like I totally would have loved watching Bambi as a kid. It's like an unironically good movie. Well, you can love watching it as an adult and you can love watching it with your little cousins. Love is a song that never ends, okay. don't you know? But but apparently hope dies. <laughs> hope does die. That, <laughs> that song is, is That song is so somber. Yeah. Oh my god. And it's it's the opening tune. And I think it's actually probably a perfect song for this movie. But um Yeah. You know, like speaking of speaking of things that are perfect in this movie, uh everything. Um Everything. Except for, except for songs, Thumper. Except for Thumper. Everything except for Thumper. Thumper has some just one issue that I can think of. Two uh, issues two. that I can think of. <laughs> I was gonna say, come on. Come Thumper on. does not have more than three issues that I can think of at this given time. <laughs> and we're gonna three, three. Going once, right. going twice. Sold. Sold. So but yeah, no, the characters are pretty perfect. Do you mind if I uh do you mind if I tell everybody a little bit about the characters? Oh, go on. Hop right in there. I certainly plan to hop so i'm gonna i'm gonna do these um top 10 characters in order of their appearance uh starting with friend owl you remember friend owl right i do he is literally me yeah sleepy cranky but friendly he's your curmudgeonly lovable grandpa who gives you the talk for some reason. Because <laughs> no one else is going to because you have no parents and your mom's dead. <laughs> your mom's dead and your dad is absent. Owl is more involved in Bambi's life than the great prince of the forest is involved in Bambi's life. Yep. So with that as a role model example, it's entirely possible that friend Owl is going to be more involved in the lives of Bambi's kids than Bambi is. True. Unless he dies. Unless he dies. Mm-hmm. I hope he does not be... Well, you know, I mean, he only has to live another year. That's true. I think owls have a really long life expectancy, too, like compared to other forest animals. Is that why he's a grandpa? I think so. Yeah. Or or maybe because owls are supposed to be like the wise old, you know, wise old owl. Yeah, wise old owl. The next character is the mouse that washes his face with a little bead of dew <laughs> i love that he's your top you want in your top 10 i honestly couldn't think of a 10th character so i just wanted to remind you of how cute it was when that little mouse woke up from his nest grabbed a drop of dew and washed his face with it i know he's so cute and he washes his little hands he's he's, he's adorable totally precious he he runs from the rainfall he hides under mushrooms He's he's there. More, he's there enough to be mentioned. I want him instead of Mickey Mouse. Can we make that happen? I mean, can he be Ricky Mouse? He he can be. No, we we can have him as um, friend Mouse. Friend Mouse. Okay. Friend Mouse. Sure. Friend Owl. Friend Mouse. Friend Mole. Friend Pheasant. Sure. Friend Huntsman. Our next character is Thumper. Uh, you often hear about the candor of children, and some wonder what that means. 
Well, it's Thumper. It is Thumper's literal defining trait. He calls it like it is, no matter who he calls it to, even the newborn prince of the forest. Always, He's always talking shit about people, is what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> yeah. Grows up to be the ultimate Chad. Stop. <laughs> Stop. You... Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Okay. Bambi's mom is next. Oh. Uh, Mrs. Bambi. Mrs. Bambi. She's the ultimate Disney property maternal organism, as she exhibits all of the ideal Disney brand maternal traits. Patient, gentle, kind, and dead. <laughs> you told me that before, but I still love the punchline. <laughs> it's a good punchline. And I mean, most importantly, dead. She... <laughs> <laughs> she imparts much <laughs> gentle wisdom onto Bambi and by proxy onto us. Bambi. I've consulted with the top scientists and art critics in the modern day, and all of us concur. Uh, Bambi is baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Certified From birth, baby. Birth, adolescence, adulthood, he's baby all the way down. Yep. Uh, real talk, though. Uh, Bambi is an incredible character specifically because he's baby. He is, and I'm, this is where I, I, I break away from jokes for just a little bit. Uh, he's always learning. Everything he sees, he learns from, and he changes his behavior in subtle ways to accommodate as his worldview is shaped before our eyes. He learns from his friends, from his family, from his enemies, and he learns faster and easier than anyone else we've seen in any Disney movie yet in this podcast. I love him, and I would kill for him. Aww. However, he also grows up to be the ultimate Chad. Yes, he does. Chad of the forest. Yes, Chad of the forest. <laughs> From one Chad to another, let's hear it for the great prince of the forest. Yeah, that's one could good. say that he teaches Bambi, and by proxy the audience, endurance, perseverance, courage, and leadership. One could also say that he's a deadbeat dad who spent much of his son's formative months avoiding him until he could no longer ignore him and had to take custody. <laughs> One could get deep into the body language of the roe deer or white-tailed deer that were studied to create Bambi and his father and dissect the scene where Bambi meets him for the first time and the great prince turns his ears towards him, which in deer talk explicitly means attentiveness, and say that he was always watching from afar, that he's always been involved in a subtle way. Instead of that, I'm just going to say what we're all thinking. How come he's a red deer and not a white-tailed deer? My mom says they're a multiracial family, and honestly, I support that. Okay, but the roe deers aren't in America. They're not American. The road, they're, they were the roe deers in the book, but they're mule deers in the, um, in the... Oh my god, I, I wrote that down wrong. Oh my god. Yeah. I, I... Because roe deer, roe deer don't have tails. The roe deer are the red deer, the mule deer are the white-tailed deer. Yes. And that one little goof up, and I, I said that all so well. You did. Uh. <laughs> let's learn about deer, my my friends. Let, hey, let's learn that let's learn that Nate doesn't know how to read. <laughs> this weekend. Uh, let's... Deer biology class and also reading class it's okay it's okay let's, it's confusing let's move on to flower we're not deer experts okay no we're we're not experts in anything nope 
The next character is Flower. <clears throat> I just need a minute. Sorry. Are you crying over Flower? No, I just... All of these characters are... Like, as much as I make jokes about them, all of these characters, like I said, they're just really good. Like, all the way down to their core. Mm-hmm. And... Except for the except for the last two. But, you know, like... <laughs> Even even them, like, there's there's something there. There's something more interesting. And I'm just I'm struck by it, you know? This is this really is the best thing that Disney put out. Yeah. So Flower, right? <clears throat> At the beginning of Bambi is this wonderful moment where when you think you've met the kindest, sweetest, gentlest character in Bambi, you meet someone easily twice as pure. This baby says, hold my flower. <laughs> yeah, flower is no exception at all, as he seems to exist only to be gentle and friendly. He's baby. He's more baby than Bambi, and Bambi is literal baby. <laughs> uh, yet another one of Bambi's best buds to grow up to be the ultimate Chad, though. Stop! He does <laughs> not! Oh my gosh, he's the Chad. Oh. They're like the respective Chads of their species. They are. They're like, they become the pinnacle because like the first thing they do when they find out like, oh, girls are going to be into you. The first thing they do is like immediately find out that girls are into them. Yeah. Oh, we'll get in. <laughs> oh, we'll get into that. I'm excited. I'm not excited. <laughs> uh, the next character uh, is also Feline. An excitable young girl who has no qualms about being outgoing to the point of pushing around royalty. Iconic. Yes. Every time we see her, she's having the time of her life. She's a, she's a deer, by the way, for anybody who didn't know. She is a deer. Flower, she, she's flower is... Uh, D-E-E-R. <laughs> like, not... Oh. But she's also a deer. A deer girl. I thought, I, I thought you were pointing out that I've been forgetting to say the species of every character. No, yeah, I... I I was, but I forgot that you didn't say the flowers was gone. But yeah, so she's a, she's a another um, mule deer. She's another mule deer, not a roe deer. Yes, there's only one. There's only and one not, roe deer, and not a reindeer. There's no reindeer. I wish there were reindeer. Yeah, I do too. Though like though reindeer. there are the sounds of like bells ringing whenever the bucks are jumping over that broad rock. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I suppose now is as good a time to mention um, in Fantasia, one of my observations was, hey, that looks like Pride Rock. I bet they got inspiration watching that. And then uh, in in Dumbo, when they're push when the, when the crows are pushing Dumbo off the off the ledge to help him fly, I'm like, oh, shit, that, was that looks all, like Pride that Rock. Was also Pride Rock. And meanwhile, uh, three movies in a row, we out in the meadow, out in the middle of a meadow, in the middle of nowhere, there's just a jutting rock. And I'm like, oh, no, that's Pride Rock. <laughs> so, you know, there's, <laughs> yeah, I'm there's, real good at observing there's things. There's more than one Pride Rock that we see in this movie. I, I guess Pride Rock is maybe the ultimate combination of the Disney ideal of put a jutting rock in there. It's it's important characters standing on top of a rock looking heroic yeah and then they made a whole movie out of that and then they made a they made like yeah arguably one arguably two movies about that actually three because you have little mermaid 
Is there a rock involved in that? Yeah, it's the one where she's like, she like crawls her fish body up on the rock and then there's like a wave that crashes and she's like, part of your world. Oh God, yeah. It's like the most popular, like most famous um, image in Little Mermaid. I think, I think we got dist- so distracted <laughs> by this that I stopped in the middle of my description of Colleen. You did. Anyway, go on. Okay. Feline, excitable young deer who has no qualms about being outgoing to the point of pushing around royalty. Iconic. Every time we see her, she's having the time of her life. Well, you know, when she's not being hunted by a pack of dogs. Mm -hmm. We see her only a few times, but her scenes are poetry. Sheer poetry in motion. The man who shot Bambi's mom. Remember when I said I would kill for Bambi? This is who I would kill on behalf of that baby boy. I don't care. I don't care if he's hunting for food, for his family, to feed his sick mother. Every hunting game I've ever played has you automatically lose points or outright lose if you shoot the doe, even by accident. That's a good point. That really is. Yeah, you don't, you're not supposed to shoot the doe. Yeah. His theme song literally inspired the iconic Jaws theme. (laughs) He's villain the villain. He doesn't appear on screen. And the AFI, American Film Institute, uh, did 100 top villains for the first 100 years of film. He was number 20. (laughs) We don't even see him once. We don't hear him speak. He doesn't have a face. He doesn't have a design. He's just some jerkwad who shot Bambi's mom and I hate him. Yep. You know who else I hate? Who do you hate? A character that I had to literally go into like Wikipedia to find the name of and I had to append to his name Rono the <laughs> asshole stag. Oh no. <laughs> that's that's a better name than I came up with. Mine was just like evil evil boyfriend number 7. <laughs> Evil boyfriend number because you don't get a name in the movie. You know, he's just no. some, it's a tough thing to say that he's an asshole stag, you know, because he's just defending his territory out of instinct. He's doing what comes natural to deer. But, you know, he doesn't say a damn thing to Bambi to get him step off. He just starts shoving and then just starts <laughs> shoving Feline. He just starts like sho- an shoving, asshole. And, shoving and grunting and just like, speak. Mm-hmm. Like, we know that the deer can mm-hmm. speak. Say something to Bambi. Say something. Though though I do kind of like that, though, because it's like, it kind of makes you remember, like, oh, yeah, these are animals. You know? That's true. And that's something that's... that stags do. Like, it's not just, like, with um Bambi's father, for instance, it's like, yeah, his father isn't around, but, like, that's literally how deers are. Like, they're not supposed to be. In fact, he's actually around more often than male adult deers are for their kids. So it's, like, kind of a reminder. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, he's anyway. a better father than I gave him credit for. Mm-hmm. Actually, I have a crackpot theory about that. Um, but, yeah, Rano, <laughs> Rano the asshole stag. <laughs> it's, it's a good name. He, he would be another one. He would be another... Uh, another... Like Wunsler. No, he wouldn't be Wunsler. He would be, um, I don't know. Like, oh, what's... God. He'd be like when they do humanizations of Shadow the Hedgehog. Stop. No, no, no. Oh, no. Of, of uh, knuck- Nothing Knuckles. Nothing personnel, kid. No, of uh, Knuckles. Oh, knock, knock. <laughs> it's Rano. It's Rano. No, no, you're right. You're right. It would be Shadow because Knuckles is more like. Yeah. 
Knuckles himbo. is at least friendly to Sonic. He's himbo. You know, yeah. Himbo. Yeah. He's this is not himbo. This is 100% pure jock. Rano is uh Sasuke. <laughs> a hundred percent that's the most cursed thing that has come out on this podcast you understand i do understand it's it's i think the the images that i saw the fan art that i saw fully processed and that's what's what that's what came you know shooting out that's oh man that's more than enough all right that's that's my top 10 characters from bambi okay i like that um yeah, so I'll, so you you provided a very lovely description of our top ten characters, um, and so thank you. Um, you're welcome. So before I get into the outline of what actually happens in the movie, I just want to go really quickly into our source material, um, and this this is a great movie because it f- actually followed pretty closely to the general like events and themes of the book um now the movie bambi is a movie adaptation of a book called bambi a life in the woods it was written um originally in german uh in 1923 by a jewish austrian writer named felix salten salten was an avid hunter and wrote this book as a coming-of-age story for the forests and its denizens like the movie, Salten's book follows the life of Bambi, a male roe deer, as he grows up and learns about the world around him. Unlike the movie, there don't seem to be any other animals that are named characters in the book. It's only deer. It's deer all the way down. Uh-oh. Deer all the way through. Uh-oh, it's deer. <laughs> Captain Crunch, oops, all deer. Oops, all deer. Um, Captain Salton, oops, all deer. Sorry about that. Yeah, it's all good. So, uh, <laughs> Captain Salt. Um, anyway, this this seems to be a pretty heavy book at times because among the other features of the story is the recurring theme of Bambi learning to be alone. He learns at a young age about how adult bucks spend most of their time alone and don't really come into contact with mothers and their young. Later, he's scolded by an adult buck for crying for his mother, so he has to learn how to be alone at times. When he's an adult, though he loves Feline, he keeps far away from her and avoids her, loving her in a, quote, melancholic sort of way. Um, At the end of the book, though, he encounters twin fawns crying for their mother, and he scolds them for not being able to stay alone. Then when he leaves the two, he thinks to himself that the girl reminded him of Feline, and the boy seems promising, and Bambi looks forward to seeing him grow up. So it's kind of like he doesn't maybe realize, oh. yeah, that those two are. Yes. Um, so um, the original book has a bit of an interesting history. So Salten was a very prominent and prolific Jewish writer in Austria. He was editor-in-chief of a bunch of different magazines. He basically wrote a book a year Um of the book being filled with like collections of short stories and poems and scraps and fragments of things. Um, then in uh, 1923, he wrote Bambi and it had huge popularity, like international popularity, but it was banned in Nazi Germany in 1936 because officials claimed it was a quote, political allegory on the treatment of Jews in Europe, end quote. Um, I mean, 
yeah, they could they could literally say whatever they wanted yeah. and ban it. But. Yeah. Uh, many copies of the original were burned because of this. In fact, all of Salton's books were banned in Nazi Germany because of all the things that would... Because... Oh, <laughs> I forgot I wrote this. Of all the things that would get your books banned by Nazis, being a prominent, well-known, well-respected, and intelligent Jewish person is definitely up there on the list. <laughs> It's it's one of the top. <laughs> it's like it's the, one of the top reasons. The combination of these things. Um, Are you smart? Are you respected? Are you Jewish? We don't like any of those. We don't things. like any of those. Hi, things. I'm John Q. Nazi. <laughs> John Q. Nazi. Um, we only take the scum of the earth. The Q stands for quite a Nazi. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, oh. So in critical... Re- it feels so good to make fun of Nazis. It really does. I know, because they deserve it, no matter what. Um, they're scum. They're, they're, they're terrible. They're scum. They're... Don't give them a voice. Don't give them a seat at the table. Don't give them anything, except for a punch in the face. Yeah, if you've got nine regular people uh, sitting at a table, and they let a Nazi uh, sit and speak to them, you've got a table with ten Nazis at it. Ayo. But no, yeah, that's really, yes, this is, that's accurate. Okay, so uh, in critical reviews, this is argued to be one of the first environmental novels because it covers the issue of hunting, the beauty of nature, and the sympathetic lives of the forest creatures whose homes are threatened. Humans in this novel are referred to as only he, um, like he is in the forest, and most of what the reader sees are traps and aftermath of what he has done. Once, at the end of the novel, the old prince, as Bambi's father is called, brings him to see the dead body of a man who was shot and killed by another man. This, he says, shows that man is not all-powerful. There is a bit of a god allegory at this point, because then the old prince goes on to explain that there is, quote, another, end quote, who is over all creatures. It's at this point that the old prince says he has always loved Bambi and calls him my son and then leaves. That's fucking right. That's something, man. It's something. Um. Also, the book was so popular and like had such an impact internationally that Max Schuster of Simon and Schuster actually helped um Salton like helped Salton's like story to make it over to the states. But yeah, so it's it's kind of kind of interesting yeah that that uh, max schuster is is the reason that we have bambi in the states because he he was the one that got it published or like facilitated the publishing um and then disney acquired the rights in 37 1937 and then obviously as we've been saying before he, he doesn't have funding to do it until now which i'm so glad that he waited because it's definitely worth the wait well, yeah, it was. I mean, there were also a couple other factors, but I, I get into that. Yeah. And there's there's more that I could go into in the original story about how, like, um, Feline is, I think Feline's mother is Bambi's aunt, and Bambi's aunt had Feline and then an, another deer. Um, and there's, like, there's a whole mess of things that happen, but it's it follows the basic story of the movie um but yeah that's my source material um it's not really anything exciting or like holy crap like dumbo was but it was more just like yeah just sultan wanted to write about deers and i mean it's pretty exciting you know that he he would he well it's exciting that his life was 
you know, I want to write about deer. I want to write a powerful story. I've written a powerful and intelligent story. And now I have to escape the Nazis who hate power and intelligence in people that aren't them. That's true. That's true. Um, he also wound up writing the, um, I'm trying to find the, the name of it. The Iliad. <laughs> yeah. Um, he went back in time and wrote the Iliad. That's how he hid. He he went back in time and he disguised himself as a dude named Homer and learned ancient Greek. Mm-hmm. And then he also, and, weirdly enough, um, wrote the script for the pilot of The Simpsons. Is that true? No. I was just like, because Homer Simpson. Oh, okay. I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought that's what you were looking for. And Whoa. I was like, wait a second. I, what? I'm so, I, I should have gone with that. I really should have ran with that. That would have been no, incredible. please don't make me look that dumb. To see how many episodes we could go before, <laughs> before you fact-checked me. Man. I never fact-checked you. I trust you. Oh, yeah. Which is my mistake. I need to I need to maintain that trust until a prime time comes to break that. Uh, anyway, so he wrote The Hound of Florence, which wound up being the inspiration for The Shaggy Dog, which was like a super popular Disney movie that we will probably watch. Get Get out. He he watched the... He, he wrote the shaggy dog? Yep. Get the f*** out of here. I will not until we're finished talking about this movie. <laughs> um, But yeah. That's insane. Yeah. I'm... Are you, are I'm you kind of... Are you starstruck? I'm kind of starstruck. Star star- I've never <laughs> watched the shaggy dog, but like thinking I know about the shaggy dog... And thinking about the Shaggy Dog and thinking about Bambi, um, that's two different movies. Yeah. And I understand, like, physically, that's two different movies, but that's two insanely different movies. Yeah. Not to be confused with Shaggy Man, which is a thing that um, police... Everybody knows that Shaggy Man is a Rastafarian singer. No, it's a thing that I don't remember if it's a police term to like for them to reference it. But I think it's it's on police reports where if they take a a statement for like somebody reporting a crime and they think that the person that reported it was actually the one that did it, but if the person reporting it claimed that there was a man that that like an unknown man that did it, they call it mm-hmm. a shaggy man. Like it's it's um basically code for we think that this person actually did it, but this person's claiming somebody else did it. Okay. Yeah. And it's in That's cases like, I think, it, I don't remember what, what um, na- the name was for the case that sort of set that precedent, but it was a case of, the, of a woman who went on a drive with her kids and basically claimed that a shaggy man, you know, made her pull the car over and then killed her kids. And she killed her kids. And she, yeah. I don't know if it's ever, ever proven, but like she 110% killed her kids. But she said that a shaggy man had, and the shaggy man was never captured. So that's, that's interesting. Ever after, they just called it the shaggy man. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I want to know how the source differs from the story. That's that's one of the things that I love about these. Like, and you said like this is like almost one for one. So yeah. But you also said that there's no named characters. So there's no name. Well, there's no named n- characters that are not that deer. deer. Yeah. Yeah, I misspoke, but um, yeah. but um, but um, I, w- I want to know all about these brand new characters like Flower and Tumper. 
Yes. <laughs> that. Um, that. Okay. So, t- Tower and Flumper. Um, so let's, yeah, let's, let's get into what happens in the movie. So if you haven't watched it or if it's been a while or if you just somehow like our descriptions better than just watching the movie, I don't know. They're, they sure are shorter and more entertaining than the Wikipedia article. So the movie opens on a lush green forest filled with clamoring, busy animals. These critters are excited because today a new prince has been born. So the forest folks gather around what turns out to be a doe and her newborn fawn, Bambi. Doe, a deer? A female deer. A female deer? Yeah. <laughs> um, and they are, they are laying in a ray, a drop of golden sun. Okay. Um, almost immediately, a little rabbit kit by the name of Thumper befriends young Bambi, seemingly determined to show him the ins and outs of life here in the forest. I'm gonna... That's what they're called? Kits? Yep. I looked it up because I'm like, that doesn't sound right. But apparently that's, yeah. There's a lot of, there are a lot of small forest creatures who are named kits. Uh, Pine Martins, the, those babies are kits. Foxes, obviously kits. Of course. Um, yeah. After Kitsune, which is Japanese for magical fox. Stop. <laughs> um, that might be true. <laughs> that might be true. I had but... to have a samurai cop moment. Yeah, I don't, yeah, no. Um, okay, so yeah, um, almost immediately a little, a little rabbit kit by the name of Thumper befriends young Bambi, seemingly determined to show him the ins and outs of life here in the forest. I'm going to take a quick time out here to address the fact that this rabbit must have a serious attitude problem. I'll explain later, but just know a rabbit thumping is not a good thing. Anyway, they're learning all about birds and butterflies and flowers when Bambi comes nose to nose with Flower the Skunk an adorably bashful little guy who's quite tickled that Bambi would call him a pretty flower. Because he is. I mean, look at that sweet baby. Anyway, they go exploring, and over the next few, I don't know, weeks, maybe? It doesn't specify. Bambi sees more of the forest world. His mother, whose name we never learn, by the way, takes him to the meadow after warning him about the dangers of the open space. He meets Feline, a spunky young fawn who teases him into playing with her atop Pride Rock 1, then watches mm. as the chads of the forest run out into the meadow to show off their antlers, almost trampling Bambi on top of Pride Rock 2. Hey, the real gr- quick, can I just... Yeah? I, I, I had a... It has nothing to do with the amount of Pride Rocks, which, by the way, we're on Pride Rocks <laughs> 3 and 4. <laughs> yeah. But, um, um, I just... I think I just realized that there are no named characters that aren't deer in Bambi. I mean, think about this. His They call him Thumper specifically because he's always thumping. It's it's not it's not a name it more more than like he's the rabbit that thumps a lot. They Flower isn't Flower's name. Uh he when he meets Bambi, uh Flower he accident Bambi accidentally calls him a flower and Flower says, "Oh, he can call me a flower if he likes. I don't mind." So we know that Bambi has a name. We know that Feline has a name. We know that Rano, the asshole stag, has a name. <laughs> That's I true. Think. And who's the other supposedly named character? Friend Owl, who's just Owl that is friendly. Yeah. That's true. Oh. <sighs> That's a, that's I'm sorry, a pretty... I just had to vent that galaxy brain revelation. Yeah, that is kind of interesting where it's like they're royalty, so they get names and then. And may- everyone else is just a surf. Yeah, and maybe and maybe it's also because in the original story it was only deer. There were only ever deer, and so they didn't have names for any of the other 
animals so they don't get names. It's not like Disney picks names for them. It's like they just they get yeah, nicknames. Like, why would you bother, like, coming up with a legi- more legitimate name for, you know, like, Thumper other than, oh, we'll we'll just call him something. Yeah. But we'll call him Thumpin'. Hey, we'll call him Thumper. Thumper. Yeah, that's, but that's a, that's a good theory. That's a good observation, yeah. I guess. It's my lighthearted crackpot theory. Nice. All right, so let's get back to the, all the Pride Rocks. So, um, the great pride rock number seven. Yeah. The great Chad of the forest watches over everyone from atop pride rock three and is pointed out to Bambi by his mom as the doodliest dude of them all. Way more doodly than any of the other dudes. (laughs) He's also coincidentally Bambi's father. They return to the forest as winter sets in and the, and the frolicking fun of the first frost gives way to a surprisingly harsh yet still tranquil depiction of trying to forage in the dead of winter. The first thaw comes and Mrs. Bambi finds a patch of spring meadow grass for them to eat, but shortly thereafter, Man arrives and pops a confetti gun that surprises Bambi's mom and she runs away and lives a peaceful life in a farm upstate. The end. Don't. Just kidding, she dies. (laughs) Don't you give me that hope, I was going to say. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. She she dies. Um. Because I had I had this crackpot theory uh, that um, you know, she doesn't die, but the prince of the forest says to her like, "You brought Bambi into the meadow without checking that it was safe." She gets so he's gonna stay with me now. <laughs> CPS he, picks him up. <laughs> she she, uh, she, uh, she forfeits custody. She yep. That and she's she's still alive somewhere. Man, that's but she's rough. not allowed to take care of Bambi anymore. That's rough, buddy. That, that's why he that's why he says your mother can't be with you anymore mm. there you go but yeah no so we can she, hope she, she dies um bambi's dad finally decides to show up for his son and takes him to be raised into a proper young buck this scene ends on a quiet somber note now spring is here and the birds are horny friend owl (laughs) friend owl oops forgot to mention him before uh anyway friend owl is a grumpy old man uh who is angry about all the noise and doesn't understand why anyone would give a hoot i hate you so much about romance i'm so mad (laughs) he sermons at length about the dangers of being quote twitterpated a.k.a. horny. Sorry, gentle listeners. That's just what it is. Dangers of being Twitterpated to the young adult Bambi, Thumper, and Flower. They take the bachelor's solemn vow not to give in to a pretty face, then fold like matchsticks in quick succession to the conveniently placed female animal counterparts laid in their trail. Of course. Flower stops to smell the blooms and then frolics away with a pretty little female skunk. Thumper does something similar. Nate, do not make me describe what happens in that scene please and finally (laughs) finally bambi why don't you can you at least tell me what is his love interest looks like oh yeah his love interest looks exactly like happy from snow white and the seven dwarves look it up because (laughs) it's she she has like her little white beard and she has like little peach fur no she a hundred percent looks like happy decided to make some money on the side No, uh, you can't say it like that. <laughs> That's illegal. Is it though? There's You're very illegal. questionable. I don't. Mm, it's definitely pretty, um, unwelcome and frowned upon, but I don't know if it's technically illegal. 
I'm making it illegal. I okay. hi, I'm I'm Nate I'm Nate Conrad and I'm running for your fandom representative. Vote for me and I will make I will make Abby illegal. <laughs> I will put her in jail, I'll put her in a box, I'll put that box on a boat, and we'll never have to be horny again for happy. <laughs> wait, wait, were you horny for the the female bunny? No, that's I just what misspoke. you just that's what you <laughs> Oh boy, looks like we got another one to add to the fan art list. No, Thumper was horny for Bambi. No, not Bambi. Thumper was horny no, for Flower. Happy. No, Flower was horny for Bambi. Okay, Flower was horny for Bambi, but oh Thumper was horny gosh. for Happy. Okay, well, let's break this down. Who's on first? What's who's, on second? Who's driving the truck? <laughs> Bambi's uh, mom's in the truck. Who's on driving the truck? Okay, so... um, do, 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 do. Okay, finally... Bambi is left clinging to the barest scrap of conviction on this issue when Feline arrives as a young adult doe and completely washes away any of his restraint. Their meeting as adults perfectly mirrors when they met as kids, which is beautiful, but it's so beautiful. But this time their frolicking is stopped by evil boyfriend Deer Number Seven, with bags under his eyes and the Disney villain color palette. Yeah. B- oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Bambi is forced to fight for Feline's affections, which he does, and wins by throwing him off a cliff. Don't worry, he's fine. Then cuddles up with his boo and settles down to sleep. They're awoken by man in the forest once more, and when Bambi saves Feline from a pack of hunting dogs and tries to escape himself, he's shot and wounded. Papa Chad swoops in and helps him get up, then they escape just in time because, guess what? Man started a freaking forest fire because of course we did, of course we did. Uh, luckily, all the animals we care about got to safety in time. Crowded on a riverbank, they watch their homes get destroyed by the blaze. Cut to springtime and new growth over the charred remains of the forest. Everyone is in a rush of excitement because the new prince is born. Except, surprise, it's twins. Thumper's kids have inherited his chronic thumping, and Flowers named his kid Bambi, which is adorable. And while so while all this is happening, Bambi and his Chad, I mean Dad, look on with pride from Pride Rock 4 as the princes of the forest. The There are end. so many Pride Rocks. Stop deforestation, kids. The end. Yeah, there's at least Remember, four. Remember, only you can prevent forest fires. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. By the way, that was the inspiration for... Oh, do you talk about that? I don't want to talk about it if you talk about that. Uh, I don't talk about it in production, but I can I can make mention that um, for a good chunk of time, uh, the uh, American Forest Association or whatever it's called used footage from Bambi uh, for their TV commercials uh, to tell you to be careful. And when the license ran out, they still wanted to use like an animated character. So they invented Smokey the Bear. Yay, Smokey. Anyway, Smokey the Bear. Yeah. But I do have some interesting only only notes. he can prevent having to pay licensing fees. Because <laughs> <laughs> they own him. He did it. Yeah, he saved the license. Yep. Oh, also Disney got in a freaking like knockdown dragout fight with the original like company that owns the rights to um, Bambi. Oh yeah. Um, and then the but the funny part is that company the other one i think is like twin rivers publishing or something like that they um they won against disney but the court was basically like yeah you guys won but you're like total dicks like they, they literally like publicly did a statement like yeah you won but like to what end like 
Congratulations, asshole. <laughs> Pretty you much. Really, you really pulled it off. <laughs> Pretty much. I read that in the Wikipedia entry. I'm like, why is that? Like, why is there a judgment call on this company? You know? I don't know. Anyway, I, mean, I just like, thought it was funny. To be fair, like, I think that that court case was won uh, before and or during Disney's transition into corporate villain. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. So it was like the beloved Disney company is being challenged by this other equally sized company when in reality, like it was during the time when Disney was biggering and biggering and swelling and growing and getting insane. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently um, it's, it's twin books. Sorry, not twin rivers. Um, twin peaks, but twin peaks It is twin peaks. You know, there's a, there's Every copy of the book. Comes with a, a hot cup of coffee and a nice slice of cherry pie. Yep, exactly. Um, and some Garmonbosia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Garmonbosia. Um, did you know that in this area, um, in St. Louis, as I triangulate my location, um, there's a chain of... Is it a chain or is it a single freestanding? I don't remember. Um, but it's a restaurant called Twin Peaks, where it's basically like Hooters, but like Lumberjacks. <laughs> that's there yeah we have a twin peaks here <laughs> i knew that existed but if i had known that existed there i would have said hey abby where <laughs> no. do you want to go for lunch one of the 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 guy like i guess the the new manager at the time came into ulta when i was working and he was like are you the manager here i'm like yeah because i was at the time was he like headhunting and he he was basically like no he wasn't headhunting me but he he basically said like if you give my girls like a discount on makeup then we can like give you a discount on food or something and i'm like we're a a national corporation we can't do that <laughs> like we're a, we're a freaking like do you understand what kind Sir, of a company i am this the is? manager of the store i am not manager of the ulta yeah it's not i do not control the ulta um <laughs> it's like it's not a franchise it's like I think he thought it was like more like a franchise where you can control what happens, but no. It just, I mean, it just it just made me laugh because I'm like, so I teach your girls how to wear full face and makeup and get objectified, and in return, you give me half price on chicken fingers. Like, what? I don't want to defend the guy, but I want to say that it's a fair mistake to make. Like, if you run a store that is a franchise and you see another store and you have like a high school education. You think, yeah, that's got to be a franchise. I can make a deal with their manager. To make the girls look prettier. prettier. And instead of instead of him offering to pay for makeup for them, then it's like, no, just give them a discount so they can buy whatever they want. Like, no, uh-uh. Well, it's a quid pro quo thing. Yeah. Like, I'll give, you give them discounts, we'll give you discounts. How you doing, huh? You want to come to Twin Peaks, huh? You the, you them girls that like girls and whatnot? Why is he... All of a sudden from the East Coast. I don't know. I just, I, I, I get a sleazy guy. I default to Joey from Friends. Yeah. Even though, ironically, Joey. He was the most pure. He was the most pure. He was like the nicest one. He's the one that's supposed to be the womanizer and the jerk. Like, no. No, Ross no. is the devil. Ross is the actual devil. And Chandler, he has his moments. He's just, he's, hey, he's can... the asshole friend. Yeah, he's the asshole friend. Ross is the one with, like, 
the sunk cost fallacy attached to him. Yes. Where you've been friends with him for 12 years. You can't just give up now. Yeah, he's like that one guy. It's like he's gotten drunk and crowd on your couch one too many times that you just feel uncomfortable, like, totally cutting him off. But, like, yeah. you're like, oh, okay. Um, anyway. Hey, can, we, <laughs> can we reboot Friends, but, like, Ross just doesn't, the character of Ross doesn't exist? Um, or he does as an antagonist? That's, there's There's probably a show that's like that. I don't know. It's fair. There's enough reasons. I'm not, yeah, I'm not well-versed in my sitcoms, unfortunately. You should be. I know. We're, we're going to verse you in some sitcoms. I know, I need to. Step one, two and a half men. Don't watch it. Yeah, I don't want to watch that one. Um, you don't need to. There was a new one that came out. Uh, oh, I watched it because it was my name. It was Abby. You showed me that and I really liked I it. I really liked it. I don't know if it was renewed. I don't think it was renewed. It was probably it was not. It renewed. was probably too progressive. It was hilarious though, like I, not hilarious, but like comfortably funny. It was. It was shot in in outdoors in front of a live studio audience. I liked that. It was very funny for sitcom. You know, it was like hokey, was, but like good hokey. Yeah, it was a good sitcom. Yeah, and like it it went through like certain issues without making it a thing. Like I don't know, I just I thought it was good. I thought it was good, and I liked the people involved, and I wish that it would have done better. But of course, it didn't because the type of people who watch sitcoms would not respond well to it. It was it was too progressive for mm-hmm. it was like a sitcom for people who were more progressive. Yes, and the problem with that is the people who like sitcoms like to the point that they support them uh, are not nearly as progressive as the show pitched to. I'm not saying that there aren't progressive people that like sitcoms. Yeah. But I'm saying that, like, if you're watching Two and a Half Men, there's a huge chance that you don't care about social issues. So, that's all so, I have. Why don't we, uh, why don't we go back to me? Bring the focus back on your boy. Yeah, boy. I'm... You ready to learn some production facts about Bahambi? <laughs> but <laughs> we can't even do the B thing because it's already Bambi. 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 Anyways. What I want to do now is I want to tell you a little bit of fun facts about production. Okay. All right. You ready for some fun facts? Yes. All right. Fun fact. Bambi was supposed to be the second Disney animated feature film. Uh, Walt had been interested in the feature for some time uh, since about 1932 when he was in talks with a man named Sidney Franklin who had acquired the rights and was interested in allowing Walt to use them. Sidney Franklin made live-action films, but he recognized that the technology did not exist to create a live-action Bambi like he wanted. Still doesn't. And still Just doesn't. Saying. Don't do it. Don't do it. Take back that confirmation in January. Freaking take it back. Take it back. Take it back. Bob Chapek, I'm talking right to you. Blame it I'm on I'm whispering COVID. right in your ear. Stop it. Isn't it a new guy now? Uh, it was... Oh, and then... It was Bob Iger. Now it's Bob Chapek. They went from Bob to Bob. Bob to Bob. Dude, don't do it. Blame it on COVID if you have to. Blame don't it. Yeah. Freaking do they, it. And by the way, they specifically, when they were making this non-live action Bambi that is beautiful <laughs> Just, and perfect. Like Bambi? <laughs> the non-live action Bambi. This, let's be real. When they make a live action Bambi, it's not going to be a live action Bambi because they specifically said, like, it's going to complete the trilogy of yes. The Jungle Book and uh, The Lion King. First of all, stop deluding yourself. The Lion King was an animated film. There wasn't a single live action yeah. animal. There wasn't a single live 
area that you shot, none of it was real. All of it looked terrible. Yep. The Jungle Book was really good, but everything in that that was not Mowgli was animated, I believe. I haven't seen The Jungle Book, and I refuse to see The Lion King, because I know enough about The Lion King to know that I want to watch the animated Lion King. How can you make a trailer that looks that bad? That looks that bad where nobody has any emotions in their face. I, you don't even try. Aslan looks better than any of the lions in The Lion King. I am so heated right now. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Anyways. Walt and Sidney thought that they could make a 1934 release happen. 44? Uh, what happened next? No, 34. I thought they acquired it in 37. They acquired the they acqu- they were talking about the rights in thirty two. I think it took them some time to from when they were talking about it. It took them some time to actually get it and then actually get the ball rolling. Ah. So they thought like nineteen thirty four was a reasonable time for their discussions. Yeah. But what happened next was what would happen to anybody with millions of dollars at their disposal, an army of talented artists, and a particularly severe case of ADHD. Walt got distracted with other projects. I mean, it's not as simple as that, but that's what, you know, 70% of it can boil down to. They started on Bambi and Pinocchio around the same time. Then Walt got more interested in Pinocchio, so that took over. Then at the early stages, Walt decided that he wanted the animals to be more realistic and scrapped all the early work on Bambi. And then he bumped into Stokowski at the Brown Derby Diner and went off on a whole tangent where he wanted to animate a concert. Then he ran out of money, so he needed a fast cash grab and had to make Dumbo. So despite everybody involved being on board and everyone being super invested, they were just like, oh, kick it down the line, kick it down the line, kick it down the line. Wow, ADHD Chad. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 Icon, do let's we stand. do a drinking game every time we say Chad. <laughs> Take a shot. <laughs> we say yeah, it a lot uh, in this. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast, go back to the beginning and every time we say Chad, you take a drink. Every time every time we say absolute Chad, you finish your drink. <laughs> Um, and every time we, we mention a certain country in Central Africa, take a drink. It's... Ah, it took me a little bit to get that. Yeah. Right. Wow. Fun fact. Fun fact. You ready for a fun fact? Yes. Fun fact. Oh, I thought it was, I thought it was Chad related. (laughs) No, fun fact. Uh, Chad is in Africa. Yeah. 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 You said that. I, yep. I did. You're paying attention. Good job. Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, Abby. Hi, Nate. Fun fact. Yeah? Bambi holds a world record. The direct-to-DVD Disney Toon Studios film Bambi 2, and I'm not kidding when I say that movie is literally just the missing chunk of time between winter and spring where Bambi grows up, but that movie came out in 2006, right? Mm. That's 63 years between then and 1942, Mm. making it an official world record. In longest time between two installments of a franchise, uh, it's the official world record. Wow. <laughs> longest time dragging our feet. Yeah. Now, I want to take a, just a minute to call out the article that I got this information from, whose criteria for a sequel is deeply rooted in a lack of understanding of a sequel. They basically cite that sequels need the same crew, same cast, same director, a bunch of other wild nonsense. No. Being entrenched in the world of B-movies and horror flicks, I have learned for certain that there are legitimate sequels to film that don't even have the same 
characters, let alone something as trite as cast. You've got no idea what constitutes a legit sequel. I'm calling on you to reevaluate your criteria and recognize Bambi 2 as the world record holder. Yeah, you asshole. Who is this? Yeah, you dick knob. Who, who is this person that we're oh, declaiming? I'm going to... I'm going to put a link directly into their article uh, from like eight years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so much ire towards this person. Who is... I was I was looking it up and I was like, oh, it's a world record. I wonder if I can find an official uh, source for this. And I could only find this article because Guinness doesn't recognize it. And it's probably this jerk's fault. Oh, wait. But who says the... it's a world record then? Uh, Literally facts. Like... It's a world record because it's in its second installment of Bambi that makes it legitimately a franchise. And there is no franchise that has had two sequential installments longer, take longer than 63 years. I don't know if I'd recognize it, it, it like a world record in Disney or just in general. World record in any film, in any, I believe it's just specifically film, but I feel like probably novels, it gets close there. No, because, like, no. they've made sequels to novels, yeah. like, hundreds of years later. Yeah. I don't know if I would recognize that as a world record without it being, like, officiated in some capacity. Maybe it's just be me being a stickler. But, like, like just because somebody well, says it's a thing and just because they provide data doesn't mean that it's been vetted and, and, and argued and, and, you know, evaluated by those who would oppose that. I mean, like... It's a Disney movie. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's a Disney movie sequel to a Disney movie. At the end of the day, it does not matter even a little tiny little bit. <laughs> nothing matters. It's the nothing world's gonna explode. matters except for flour. That's a fun fact. That is but do you know what fact. else is a fun fact? What is a fun fact? What is a fun fact? Bambi utilized actual children to play the voice roles of the young animals. Yeah, I knew that because I have ears. Yeah, but it wasn't very common at the time, so it really set it apart. And I'm going to tell you about two of those guys. Little guys. The first one is a kid named uh, Peter Ben. A kid so (laughs) cool, he had a first name for a last name. I know, I was going to say, two first names. Loving it. Yeah, same hat. Same hat. Same. Unfortunately, he wasn't very popular, you know, along the auditioners. Because he failed the audition process. Oh, no. However, animators and best friends and Disney legends Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnson heard his voice, saw his audition, and decided on the spot to specifically build the role of Thumper around him. Oh, And he's like, the he's perfect. He's great. I don't know what those auditioners were thinking. Yeah, that's stupid. I feel like, like, kid <clears throat> roles nowadays are too, like polished i don't know if that makes any sense but like like listening to the voices of like flower and thumper and feline and um and bambi they're not as like i don't know i didn't it's it, they're not as like clear and there's there's not as much diction and they're a little bit more just kind of like normal kids playing around and talking with each other like there's one part where thumper is is uh doing something bad and his his mom is saying thumper you know remember what your father told you that happens like twice and it's great and and thumper at at that in the second time he goes but what (laughs) and the little animation (laughs) of the bunny as is like his face is just like 
about what? <laughs> it's just, it's so little kid that I, I miss seeing that in like modern, not I miss it, like bring it back, but like it's missing out. Other, other productions are missing out because they don't have kids just acting like kids. Yeah, you don't have that little detail. I think uh, the last movie that we saw uh, that had that as a little detail was probably uh, Red Shoes. Oh, and yeah. And The Seven Dwarfs. Oh, my gosh. I could talk forever about that movie. By the way, freaking Red Shoes and Snow White connected. Oh. Boom. My freaking crackpot theory. The Red so, Shoes. <laughs> go see that. I want to tell you Go about... watch that movie, everyone. Sorry. Plug. Um... No, yeah. We we can definitely take an aside to say, hey, go watch Red Shoes and the Seven Dwarves. That's the, it's the best animated adaptation of Snow White of all time. Of all time. Like, I've seen them all. It's so good um and it needs all the love in the world because it is not disney it's like locust i think is what it's called um it's something south korean and german yeah um they are releasing it on september like i think 18th actually a, a, so a after day this episode airs. yeah <laughs> uh, before this episode airs um so but go go watch it if you haven't already it's so good and adorable and such a good message and i love it so much Anyway, yes. Yeah. So yeah, I want to tell you about another uh, child actor. Okay. Mr. Donnie Dunnigan. Uh, he was a veteran actor at the tender age of six and a half. Oh. Yeah. Age five, he had been in Son of Frankenstein and claims that on the set of that, Boris Karloff himself taught him how to play checkers. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, 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 he has a fun little story. Um where he says that um, the first time he met Boris Karloff, uh, he was out of the makeup and Boris took him to get ice cream. And from then on, like, even when he was in the makeup, he knew he wasn't scared of him. <gasps> That's so cute. Mm-hmm. I love him. So Disney, being familiar with that prolific role, reached out to him personally to do the facial acting for Bambi. And when he came in, he was so good at it. And they liked talking to him so much. Like he had legitimate banter. They offered him the voice role as well. Aww. Yeah. Fun fact. So uh, for cute. that For that moment where Bambi shouts, mother, mm-hmm. mother. Yes. They told him that his mother was in the studio and in danger to get a more authentic reaction out of him. Oh, I don't know how I feel about <laughs> that. <laughs> You can just do that. It's the 40s, my, man. My joy turned to tarantulas in my mouth. <laughs> Stop with the tarantulas. Oh. oh, my God. I know I got over my arachnophobia, but it was still there. Oh, oops. Oh, Sorry, not sorry. Anyway, but... he stopped acting sometime around age nine and a half. <laughs> sometime after they freaking told him, told him that his mom was in danger. Yeah, he he must have real nine and a half. He must have uh, developed the cognitive thought to say, "Hey, uh, that was messed up." Yeah, and uh, that's where he made the conscious decision to not talk about his film roles ever again, um, which he could do because he was credited in so few of them. In fact, he wasn't credited in Bambi. What? There's still no credits for actors in that movie. Wow. Uh, so because of that, he was able to do this: be drafted to the Marine Corps in the fifties set a record by being promoted 13 times in 21 years, uh, become the youngest drill instructor of all time, and then later achieve the rank of Major, Major Donnie Dunnigan, 
And he, throughout this whole time, never told anybody, his superiors, other officers, his wife, that he had been Bambi. What the For frick? ages. What a Chad. Until, until Disney finally released the full credits sometime around the 2000s. And then everybody, and then he was like, hey, honey, check it out. They released the credits for that movie I was in. Oh, I didn't know you were in a movie. Is that Bambi? <laughs> yeah, I was Bambi. I would love to have been that, like, wife. Just been like, wait, like that Bambi? Yeah. And he. Wow. He never. By the way, uh, fun fact. Yeah. Peter Ben and Donnie Dunnigan never met. What? They didn't meet until 2011 when they were brought onto an episode of The View. Dang. Yeah, they were they were brought on as guests and they that was the first time they met each other. And after that, I think they did a little bit of touring around. Uh, they both did some interviews. I know that uh Dunnigan has said like he's very proud of having been such a positive influence in so many people's lives because of Bambi. Yeah. And the main reason that he decided never to talk about his roles was because he wasn't like a proud person. Um, but the other reason was because he didn't want anyone in the military uh, finding out because you can't be a drill instructor and say, ah, wow, I'm going to totally respect instructor Bambi. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Freaking. All right. So I got one last one last thing. Uh, I'm going to take a look at the life of a fine, distinguished gentleman by the name of Tyrus Wong. Okay. Born in 1910 as Wong Gang-yo. Apologies if I messed that up. He was forced to leave his home for a better life with his father, who had emigrated to America through the wildest loophole in history. In 1882, President Chester A. uh, Ted... Uh, signed the Chinese Exclusion Act, which forbade the people of Chinese descent, like Wong, from emigrating to the United States. He was able to emigrate because of the 1906 San Francisco earthquake, which had destroyed an insane amount of birth and immigration records. Uh, So his father, Mr. Wong, was able to come to America illegally and claim that his information had been destroyed, and therefore, you know, he could have it rewritten. Freaking and then he could bring in his son. Wow. Wow. Uh, they had to bring in his son under an assumed name, uh, which was Luk Tai Yao, um, which had to match his father's assumed name of Luk Get, which I don't know why you have to come in with an assumed name if they if they can't prove that you weren't here. Like, just use your real name. Yeah, just use your real name. Just like, yeah, look, I'm Tommy. Teacher. I'm but Tommy because his name's... But because his faith, please not Tommy Teacher Fangs. <laughs> well, you don't know. All the records were destroyed. <laughs> That's true. And because uh, his name, his fake name was Tai Yao, uh, his teacher uh, in grade school Americanized it to Tyrus, which is a totally common American name. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, come here, come here Tyrus. Yeah. Do you want to go that to the park? his future professional name, Tyrus Wong. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the He's... park, Tyrus. Tyrus. Tyrus, did you make Boom uh, that's Boom? That's little Tyrus. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> uh, okay, go on. So, going on. Tyrus went from living in poverty in China to living in poverty in America, but with significantly better opportunity as he practiced art and calligraphy. 
He uh, took to art so well that in junior high, a teacher arranged for him to have a scholarship at the Otis Art Institute in Los Angeles. Worked there as a janitor while his father scraped together the rest of the money and uh, graduated in the 30s just before his father passed away. He had a job doing murals for the city, and he did impressionistic art in his spare time. He was a co-founder of the Oriental Artists Group of Los Angeles. Started work as an in-betweener at Disney, which was basically assembly line work that he described as (laughs) soul-crushing, and stayed there until he learned about the major problem Walt was having with the film Bambi. Now, if you noticed in Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and to a lesser extent in Pinocchio and Dumbo, that the backgrounds are super richly detailed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we were talking about how you notice something in Snow White every single time, yes. like the, the little carvings. It, when they did this in Bambi, however, the animals were being overtaken by the scenery, uh, easily camouflaged, so to say, as they would be in real life. Because, you know, deer patterns are easily camouflaged in the forest. <laughs> Literally, yeah, that's how. <laughs> so. You make a super detailed forest and you make a super detailed deer, you're going to camouflage your deer in the forest. Yes. So Wong showed off to Disney his impressionistic landscape landscape paintings, many of which were inspired by the art done in the Song Dynasty. And uh, Disney went just outright bananas for them. Uh, Direct quote is, I love this indefinite quality, the mysterious quality of the forest. Basically, Tyrus Wong taught Disney that when it comes to backgrounds, less is more and less makes your characters pop. Mm -hmm. This is a style we will see in many, many Disney films. From here on out, Wong was in charge of the style of Bambi. In the role of inspirational sketch artist, uh, the fellow artists that had once marginalized and mistreated him because of his race. Oh, yeah, I kind of glazed over this. Tyrus Wong spent his whole life facing overt racism. You know how I say it was the 40s, man? Well, it was the 1910s, the Ooh, 20s, the 30s, no. and the 40s, man. That and that was It was America, man. That was especially bad. Well, it's bad for any any, you know, non-white person, mm-hmm. but ooh, it's it's really bad. Really bad for but Chinese. In his new role, in his new role, these artists who once looked at him as lesser now reported to him for every little detail. Hell yeah. Color selection. Music choice, special effects. He had his hand in everything, so much so that Walt Disney's Bambi is unmistakably and inextricably Tyrus Wong's Bambi as well. Aww. And from there on out, Tyrus felt he was being treated well at the company. He respected Walt so much that he refused to join the picket line during the Disney strike, a move that saved the job of fellow animator Ward Kimball. Dang. So when the strike was successful and they needed to make cutbacks, Tyrus got fired. Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah, they they didn't have enough money to keep on every animator. And, you know, Tyrus, unfortunately, they had to let him go by the wayside. Went on to work for Warner Brothers, doing art direction for films like The Wild Bunch and Rebel Without a Cause. He uh, basically did the art that would be used to set set the scenes and, um... You know, like storyboarding, like storyboarding. Okay. He would do that. Okay. And uh, he worked in Hallmark, the Hallmark uh, for Christmas cards. Hmm. He would do Christmas cards. 
Due to wretched anti-Asian American sentiment during World War II, the Oriental Artists Group of Los Angeles was decimated, and his friend and co-founder, Mr. Benji Okubo, was interned at a concentration camp. Oh my god! For many years, for many years, Tyrus would wear a pin a pin on his lapel, declaring himself as Chinese. It wasn't a law, but because he was Asian, if he didn't do it, he was liable to get jumped in the street. It was the forties, man. Wow. In his Last years, living comf- living a comfortable life doing art, uh, he was recognized as a Disney legend and given that distinction. Thank God. He, he made beautiful kites that you absolutely have to see to believe. Like, they're absolutely gorgeous. As soon as you're done listening to this, uh, go look up on YouTube Tyrus Wong Kites and you're going to see some of the most amazing things. Um, he lived all the way till 2015, where he died at the age of 106. Wow. He left behind two daughters, and he always encouraged them to do art, but he never bought them coloring books. Because, in his words, he never wanted them to feel constrained by lines other people put down. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. Iris Wong. Freaking... Yes, legend. It it I I could go off on a tangent about how history is filled up with white people who do moderately okay achievements and non-white people who do absolutely amazing and like outstanding and unbelievable things being placed on equal ground, but I won't. You know, I won't. Yeah. I'm just going to let it it's just going to let it simmer. Just gonna let it ride. I mean, saying that is saying enough, I would say. Yeah. Um, but cool. Glad to know. And if you him. don't if you don't believe that, uh Google is free. <laughs> Google is absolutely free. Um so okay. Is that it for production? That's it for production. So all that's left is to say, uh, hey Abby. Yeah. What'd you think of Bambi? You know, I unironically really loved this movie. Um, I think it, I'm, as I said before, I'm mad that I didn't get to see it when I was younger because um, I think I would have really, really liked it. Um, it's a, it's a movie that is calming. You know, a lot of parts are calming and tranquil and just pleasant without being boring, um, which is saying something because sometimes I get bored when things are too calm or tranquil or whatever um i really liked the fact that you 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 know got the sense of what the main characters are doing but then you would also it would cut away sometimes and you'd see what you know the pheasants were doing or what the little mouse was doing he's washing his little face um and there was supposed to be so much more of that by the way yeah like during production they had uh an idea for a moment where bambi leans down and sees the life of some chipmunks oh yeah i saw that uh, on wikipedia page yeah but and like the him accidentally stepping on the ant colony but every time they did that they were like okay what does this have to do with the story of bambi yeah and they had to cut it see and i i i like those those little moments because they they kind of add to the movie where even if your main story doesn't have a lot of meat on the bones or even if you don't want to get too much into you know just how bambi feels about you know, being an adolescent, then you don't have to. You can show what other animals are feeling, and that can kind of feed into the general 
emotion of the whole thing. Um, and I just, I, I just liked it. I, I thought it was a better, we got a better sense of what the world was about, you know, um, like, I think that's what, that's what was missing in Dumbo, where we didn't really hear from the lions or the tigers or the hippos or the giraffes. We just saw them with their kids, but we didn't actually hear, like, what, what they were doing, and we didn't get a glimpse into their lives. We just kind of, like, saw them sleeping, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. You know, I, I think yeah. this would have been a good idea for a series of shorts, because Disney was still doing, like, a lot of really good short films, so... You could have done Bambi's forest as shorts and like, oh, here's Bambi finding the moles and how they talk to each other. Here's Bambi stepping on an anthill. And what happens when you do that? Yeah. Just build a series out of that. Yeah. Well, but but what I'm saying is in a movie, though, I like those elements where it doesn't have to be a series because I'm, th- I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to say. Like, it's refreshing. I it's, know that feel. it's refreshing to me to see a movie that has all these little elements and all these little scraps of other animals and what's going on in their lives without feeling the need to make it something separate. Um, Because I feel like other movies maybe feel like they can't have too many storylines going on because they're going to overload the viewer. But in fact, it kind of, it, it enriches the story and... I, I like that they didn't do the shorts. You know, I like that they kept it in one big movie because it really is. It's not just the story of Bambi. It's the story of everyone in the forest. And he is growing just as the forest is growing. Um, yeah, they're all in this together. The deer, the the possums, the wildcats. Oh, they're my. They're all in this together. I am so mad. <laughs> At you, well, because I thought you were gonna make I thought you were gonna make a reference, and then you didn't make a reference, and then I was just about to say, "Oh, I thought you were gonna make a re," and then you you ruined my life. I ruined your you life. Ruined my life. Um, one thing that I did not like, and will never like, is the is thumper is thumping. <laughs> Now, why, why would you, uh, I, I, I say this, of course, um, as a lead in, because I know why you've told me, uh, ad nauseum and I, I love hearing it every time because you're so passionate about it. Why, pray tell, do you not like Thumper's Thumpin'? So for those of you who have had, who have a rabbit now or have had them in the past, you already know what I'm about to say. If you're unfamiliar with rabbit behavior, rabbits thump as a way of communicating that they sense danger nearby. Some rabbits may be more sensitive than others, thumping at a sudden movement or noise rather than an explicit threat, but it's generally a sound made when they're upset, scared, or stressed. This happens every once in a while because rabbits are naturally nervous creatures. However, a rabbit that continually thumps is a very bad thing. As it says on the RSPCA website, a rabbit who is exhibiting continual thumping can die from extreme stress and should be removed from the perceived danger immediately. So as someone who lives with a rabbit, watching Thumper was literally starting to stress me out. Like, clearly in the 40s, they didn't do their research, or maybe behavioral veterinary science wasn't up to snuff on rabbits quite yet, because Thumper, as a character, is such a happy, chill rabbit, which is almost the opposite of what thumping is. 
but they put so much emphasis into the body language and the behavior yeah. of the deer. Yeah. And they had, like, they had a small zoo in the office. Yeah. Uh, just for references, they had quails and uh, skunks and they had rabbits there. Yeah. Like, surely, maybe, oh. But they probably, oh. but probably what, they, what happened was they saw that the rabbit would thump, but some rabbits, as I said, thump at, like, less stimuli. So, like, they make a sudden movement or there's a sudden noise and the rabbit thumps and the person may not recognize that there was a loud noise, but then they see the thump and they're like, oh, there's, you know, they're thumping. Okay, then we can work with that. Yeah, that's... I was going to say, I just had the revelation, like, maybe the rabbit they had felt like it was constantly in danger at the studio, and it was just always thumping. Yeah. And some animator was like, that's a crackpot theory. Yeah. Well, and it's not even just, like, explicitly in danger. It's more like, like, I'm trying to think. It, it kind of like, kind of like whenever dogs bark when they're scared. Dogs also obviously bark when they're happy, but, like, if a dog would just bark when they're scared, then... Yeah. That would be like what what thumping is. So sometimes some rabbits get more scared than others at like things that are just nothing. Um, and so the rabbit may may not think that they're explicitly like in danger danger, but they will get scared or they'll get stressed or something. So anyway, um, if they wanted it to be more accurate, they could have him binkying all over the place because a binky is when a rabbit is so happy and jazzed to be alive that he just sort of springs all over the place and shakes himself all over. Um, which, by the way, check out videos of that because it's really, really, really cute. It just basically... It's so it's like, cute. Bing, 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 like all over the... It's so adorable. All over the place. Oh my God. It's, it's adorable. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's my thing about thumping. Like, it just... I don't know why. Like, it just bothered me so much because I'm like, that is just so... We never see him, like, scared or anything. So maybe he also thumps when he's scared, but he thumps, like, for emphasis and, like, when he's happy. And I'm like, that's not when a rabbit thumps. Sometimes rabbits thump whenever they're just, like, upset or, like, a like angry at you, like, displeased. But it's never, like, a positive thing. Again, they should have just had it binky, though I guess, I guess it would be harder to animate that. But still, like, just have him jump around, you know? But yeah, so that that just makes me... Mad. I just yeah. I just wanted to clear. Oh, also, freaking carrots. That's a lie. Carrots are super sugary. Do not feed your rabbit a whole bunch of carrots because that is so much sugar that they will contract rabbit diabetes. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a no good. Yeah, get them kale or cilantro or oats. They love oats. Ooh, oats. oats. Anyway, that's my that's my Debbie Downer uh, segment for the episode. That's fair. That's fair. But ultimately, ultimately, I don't think that ruined your enjoyment of Bambi. No, of course not. That was just like, that's, that was, that was tertiary to it. I, I really liked Bambi. Yeah. I thought it was really cute. I was, I was texting you while I was watching it for the first time. You and were. I'm like, is this going to be the first like unproblematic movie that we're watching from Disney? Like, I don't know if I'm and ready to handle was. this. Like, I have no choice to yeah. but to compare it to the previous works. And and then they, they get better. They get and better. I told you, like, I was so scared. I was so scared. Like, what if there was a character that they removed that nobody knows about? They just did such a good job of scrubbing. Bambi's them. sunflower. But yeah, all it took was a movie where there's literally zero depictions of men. <laughs> where it's just all animals. That's all it took. 
It's a movie that's just animals. Fun fact. Mm. Uh, Walt Disney originally, they made the conscious decision to never show man in the film. Mm -hmm. Never show humans at all. But Walt Disney originally uh, wanted there to be a moment where uh, in the forest fire, a man is burned alive. To show, like, the folly of man messing with the forest. How very Dante of him. Right? Like, that's, that's brutal. And I, the only reason they didn't keep that in was specifically because they were like, oh, what if we just didn't show people? <laughs> so I like to think, like, I like to think he couldn't be dissuaded from taking it out. So they were like, oh, we got to do something. We, we can't show that to kids, a man being burned alive. Uh, hey, Walt, what if we didn't show people at all and just focused on the animals? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a great idea, and I'm glad I thought of it. <laughs> you know, you're right. And then it's like, but also, let's not show the mom getting shot. Yeah, they didn't show. And that had just as much emotional impact. Yeah. That had more emotional impact. Yeah. Because, because you, you think while he's running, she could be right behind him. Yeah. She could be right behind yeah. him. <laughs> I'm getting emotional <laughs> just thinking about it. So yeah. Um. So, I I have a crackpot theory, but what are you? What are your thoughts on this movie? Well, what what's your crackpot theory, real quick? Okay, my crackpot theory. Uh, I have another crackpot theory, but I ran out of time, so I don't have enough um stuff to support it. But my 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 more fleshed out crackpot theory is Bambi's dad is secretly a helicopter parent. He seems to always be there to swoop down when Bambi's in danger, despite having a reputation for staying away from danger, which is why he's lived for so long. Adult male deer are meant to stay solitary and aloof, so perhaps it wouldn't be acceptable for the great prince to always be seen with Bambi and his mom, but that won't stop him from watching from the shadows as his kid grows up, ready to step in if Bambi needs him. We even see a hint that Bambi will do the same in the last shot of the film when he's there with his dad. The dad finally turns and heads back into the forest, leaving his son to watch over his own young from afar. That's absolutely, I, for one, you know that I support yes. that. Like, <laughs> my point out of the deer body behavior where it turns its ears and the total attention on Bambi, like, he's watching. Yep. But, like, I think it's so amazing that your crackpot theory, which I support, I accept, is also about Bambi's dad. Because so is mine. Oh boy, here we go. But first, I'm gonna hit you. I'm gonna hit you with some OOC. Okay. Observation, opinion, crackpot theory. Here we go. Uh, my observation is that man is the element that drags down every other movie. You made that observation. I accept that observation, and I'm just making it absolutely clear. Like this is the best movie that Disney ever did, and there isn't a single person in it. Yep. Straight up. So just just stick with that. Just do animals. Just do animals. I, Dumbo had just mostly just animals, but one, it had clowns, and two, it had animals that were trying to be human. And it had roustabouts. It had... I don't want to remember the roustabouts. I, I'm so sorry, but you have no choice to remember the roustabouts. It's true. We have, to, we have to accept the roustabouts if we have to talk about Dumbo. By the way, I want you to know that I've eased up on Dumbo a little bit. Uh, last time we talked, I put it at 10th yeah, on my list out of four. Yeah, you were very harsh on Dumbo. I, I've eased up. I've cooled down. I've calmed down. I'm willing to put it uh, fifth. Yeah. Okay. And if it gets to 10th, it gets to 10th. We've got 60 movies, oh man. Oh, my gosh. 
Don't tell me that. So let me let me tell you my opinion. Uh, this movie was just as impressive as Pinocchio was visually, and it was easily twice as impressive as any story that's been told so far. The backgrounds, the characters, the animation, the story were all masterclass, and it holds up even today. Um, when Bambi and Feline are in the meadow scenes, like their first meeting and their second meeting, that's absolute poetry. Not just poetry in the sense that the two scenes rhyme, like there's there's an initial meeting by a reflection in the water, there's a, a chase, there's an angry moment, and then there's a romp in the field. And those things happen exactly in sequence again. Except the angry moment is with Feline the first time, and it's for Feline the second time. Aww. And not only is that poetry, like, watching these scenes happen is poetry. Except for every time that Bambi crouches down and looks kind of like a spider that scares the crap out of I me. I think it's great. I'm like, do deer do that? Do deer do that? I, I don't know. I've never observed them. They run whenever man enters the forest. That's true. Um... But yeah, those scenes, the terror of the animals as they flee from man, the fact that man is never once shown, uh, the climax as Bambi escapes from the dogs, from man, from the fire, it's all, it's all perfect. It's all so close to perfect. I would show this movie to kids, adults, uh, random people on the street. Your I dog. I would show this to your dog. I would show this... I would re-release this movie in theaters. Like I think they once did. theaters become safe. They did. They did that they so did many times, times because like in this is probably the most re-released Disney movie out of all Disney movies. Yeah. And they could do it again. I was gonna say don't re <laughs> just re-release it again. Don't make a new one. Yeah. And oh my god, this movie was always Walt's favorite movie. Like of all the movies that were made, this was the one that Walt loved the best. Which makes it kind of screwed up that he didn't keep Tyrus Wong around. Yeah. But, you know, like, you could argue that this wasn't Walt's favorite movie that he made. This is Walt's favorite movie that the company made. Um, But no, like, this is... You can easily see why this would be Walt's favorite movie made by the company. Mm -hmm. Because it's so incredibly good. Yeah. And so, Abby, I have to, when I'm ranking this, I have to put this in second place. What? Wait, what's what's your first place? Fantasia. What the hell? This is way better than Fantasia. Like, You're on something, man. This is, here. here's the thing. This is, this is subjective opinion, yes? Mm -hmm. So, when I say that I'm putting it in second place, yeah. it's like that Jeremy Clarkson meme where he's comparing two cars and says, this one's brilliant, but I like this. Mm. Like, Bambi is second place, but it's it's such a difficult decision to put into second place. And it's only because Fantasia is something that I've never seen before in my entire life. Yeah. Like... It's, it was something that nobody at the time had ever seen. It was something so fantastic and extravagant that um, I just, I absolutely positively have to respect it for its boldness and its 
separation from and not only like the norm but like any kind of norm where it's just this enigma and anomaly it's amazing to me so bambi is the closest second place possible like fantasia 100 bambi 99.9 yeah um but yeah that out of the way i'm gonna lay down my crackpot theory all right i think that the great prince of the forest by the way um there was one thing when Bambi goes and discovers man in the forest, mm-hmm. the, it's the it's the great prince of the forest who comes to him and says, it's man, they're back, follow me to safety. And then he runs off, Bambi goes back for Feline instead. I think that the great prince of the forest died sometime between there and the beginning of the fire. Mm. When... When we see, when we the viewer see the great prince of the forest again, it's only Bambi who sees him. And what does he do? He guides Bambi out of the forest. He guides him through the forest fire. He shows him the way, the correct path. He shows him to jump off the waterfall and brings him back to the animals and then peels off and he's off screen. Bambi's alone and then Feline comes to him. He never interacts with any other characters other than Bambi after that moment. And he's never seen with any characters other than Bambi in that moment. I believe that the visual representation of the great prince of the forest is to show that he is a representation of Bambi's instincts becoming perfect, sharpened, focused, so that at the very end, when he turns and walks away, he leaves Bambi behind, not just to watch over his young, but as the next great prince of the forest. Like, it's a representative of Bambi becoming more than what he was. Mm-hmm. I, I need to watch it again to look at because I thought I remember that the Prince of the Forest was with Bambi when they were coming out of the water on the riverbank. They were. They were. Um, and everyone else saw him. They were swimming in the riverbank. Well, we don't see that everyone else saw him. We see what Feline does. She's looking out on the water. She turns her ears towards the water because she notices something. And then we cut to Bambi and the Great Prince who are swimming back. The Great Prince swims off in another direction and disappears off screen. And Feline goes right to Bambi and sees him. Mm. So I don't know if I fully accept that theory, but I definitely like it and I I support it. I think it's I think Fair. it's a very well thought out theory. Um I'd need again I'd need to watch again to see if I was just like I'd need to watch again looking for that. Um but but I, I do like it and I like I I like it. I think that yeah. it's it's It has some validity to it. Yes. At the very least. Yeah. I think I think the, the reason why I'm hesitant is just because the, the Great Prince of the Forest doesn't die in the book and it follows so closely to the book. 
Oh, that's and that fair. and that whenever it's like Prince Bambi must be very you know very proud and it pans directly they're looking up at the bluff and they pan directly and look up at Bambi and the Prince of the Forest and the Prince of the Forest turns and and walks away so it's like they're looking up and they're looking at them you know so I guess but like like I said like when he when he leaves like he's leaving you know Bambi where Bambi understands now that. He's the great prince, and he doesn't. Well, I definitely think that I definitely think that Bambi is now the great prince of the forest. That like the title has been passed on, but I just don't think that I don't I don't know if there's enough to show that the other that his father died. That's you fair. know. No, yeah, yeah, I know, uh, and that's why that's why this is like a a crackpot yeah. theory specifically because like. It's a theory that could be crazy, mm-hmm. but you can see how it might make sense. You can interpret it as that, and I think that's that's yeah. important. It's kind of like it's kind of like um, it's kind of like saying that uh, JFK was shot from the grassy knoll instead of by um, Lee Harvey Oswald in the bookshop. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which is which I only bring up because, you know, you know, it's relevant. Yeah. Where does this fall on your list right now? So, um, by this point, we've seen several movies that have been adapted from books. And um, a lot of them have stayed relatively true to the plot of those books. Mm. You know, like Pinocchio follows the events of Collodi's series pretty accurately. And and Snow White is pretty much beat for beat the original tale. Um, I mean, it is watered down and tweaked for, for child viewers. Um, of course. course. However, I would venture to say that Bambi is the first movie we've watched that not only mirrors the plot of the original work, but also captures its tone as well. I mean, Pinocchio is a movie about an innocent, well-intentioned, yet bumbling wooden baby, but it was adapted from a story about a capricious, spiteful boy who gets what was coming to him in the end. Um... Bambi, on the other hand, is a beautifully crafted movie that shows us the life of the forest, its beauty, and the impact humans have on it, while also letting us get to know a young deer's struggles to grow up. And that's basically, in essence, what the book is all about, um, which I think is interesting, where it, it truly is a, a, a proper adaptation. Um, and I mean, a lot of the characters are taken out and some are added in, but I think this is my number one because it truly honors Felix Sultan's message in a way that I think the other films either did not or could not. So that is taking my number one spot at this point. That's fair. That's fair. And so for me, uh, it's Fantasia, Mm -hmm. Bambi, Pinocchio, Snow White, Dumbo. Which is no longer stewing in hell. Yes. It is now just at the end of the list. Yeah. Uh, for me, it is Bambi, Pinocchio, mm-hmm. Fantasia, Dumbo, and Snow White. All right. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, uh, I think those are some fair and fine lists. Yeah. I, and yeah. up next on the list uh, is actually a very exciting time because... At this time, Disney was also working on their adaptations, as you may know, of uh, royalty-free properties, public domain properties, Cinderella, and uh, Peter Pan. So, we've got those to look... Oh, wait. 
Hold on, I'm getting a. I'm getting, yep, I'm getting a telegram. I'm getting a. I'm getting a. I'm getting a carrier pigeon. Oh my God, they're. I'm I'm picking up the latest newspaper, and you know what it says in big letters? It says, "We are propaganda." That's close enough. I was gonna say it says war. Oh yeah. But yeah, you know, war propaganda. Um. We are not going to go into the propaganda, unfortunately, because they never made a proper propaganda feature film, aside that from... We, that we could take a propaganda at? Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Stay tuned for our uh, Dissecting the Mouse super special, where we look at um, Victory Through Air Power, uh, Dissecting the Mouse, a propagander. Uh, <laughs> I like that. That's good. We might actually do a that. propaganda. I like I mean, we are. The important thing is that with war, a lot of Disney animators who were working on those projects that I mentioned that were in production at the time uh, just sort of disappear into the wild blue yonder of enlistment. Uh oh. Mm hmm. And so Disney has to shift focus, they have to do something smaller, different. They're going to be getting into what is known as the wartime era. Dun dun dun. And it all starts when Walt Disney comes back from his little getaway vacation in South and Central America. Hey, to bring us Jose Carioca y Panchito Pistoles. And all the beautiful characters of Saludos Amigos. It's saludos, not saludos. Sa- saludos. Saludos. Amigos. Yes. All right. Yeah. So join us next time when we start talking a little bit about war, a little bit about a new era in Disney filmmaking, and a little bit about dissecting the mouse. Dissecting the Mouse would like to acknowledge the concept art done on commission by Morgan, the title art done on commission by Eric, and the background art done on commission by Silas. We would also like to thank Silas for his audio editing, and Connor for his video editing, also done on commission. Links to the business information for all involved artists are provided in the expanded credits, as well as a bibliography of relevant sources. We would also like to recognize the research done by Nate Conrad and Abby Rose. Nate would like to extend his deepest thanks to his library co-workers. Dissecting the Mouse is intended to be a review based on subjective opinion, and is not intended to be a scholarly source. Thank you for listening. So, Abby. Yes. Do you remember, um... In the 25th in... night of September? <laughs> Party! <laughs> no, do you, uh, do, you, do you remember back in the Pinocchio episode when we said that, um, Honest John would be a Tumblr sexy man? Oh, no. Um, and do you, unfortunately, do you remember, yes. Do you remember, um, in the Dumbo episode when we agreed that Mr. Stork would get the same treatment? <laughs> yeah. Do you think we're going to run into anyone like that in this movie? I could see that. Yeah. I sh- yeah, I could I definitely sure hope- see Flower with a Flower Crown. 
Ooh, I sh- I sure hope not because that would be that would be another one. You see, Abby, I I, and this is my special gift to you. I went to two different artists with two different ideas, Stop. and I said, "Hey, will you do me this this favor?" And um, for the benefit of those people listening on Podbean, we'll include links in our um, in our expanded credits. Abby, it is my pleasure to send to you Honest John and the Stork as Tumblr Sexy Men. No. Oh my gosh. I regret this. Is this because of the Dumbo Thick thing? No. <laughs> no. I, I recognize that art and I will message him very angrily later. I told him not to tell you and we Stop. kept it from you. No, the Honest John one is horrible. I mean, if the art is very good. <laughs> is it too late to back out of this podcast? Did we like reach that point already? Because oh, I we're no in longer want to be involved. We're in the thick of it, you f***er. I hate this. Wow, I really, really... <laughs> See, I sound like I'm amused right now, but that's just because I'm trying to stay quieter and I'm also in shock. So it's more like that quiet blinding rage right now. That's just going to simmer. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm shocked. I'm shocked, not awed, but I am shocked. So, Abby. <laughs> I can't stop looking at and just laughing. Look out for Mr. Stork. <laughs> I know. Oh, he's oh my so gosh. good. You know what? You know what? The uh, the Honest John one looks like it could be a character on Hasbin Hotel. I've never seen that's, that before, but that's exactly what people were saying when they first saw the art. One hundred percent. Uh, that one's done by my dear friend Jolene who um uh just when we posted it it was so powerful that people were like okay i know you did this as a joke but i'm kind of into it see <laughs> right right so we perfectly nailed we perfectly we did nailed it. man we've it got was, tumblr sexy men <laughs> it was a it was a group project it was a group project and now we need to take it back <laughs> we- Oh, we've put this curse into the world. No, no, we've manufactured our own Wunsler. Oh, no. GMO Wunsler. Now we're going to have to give Mr. Stork the Wunsler treatment. No. We got to find a way to ship him with himself. Oh, my gosh. 